Hello, everybody. Welcome to the latest and greatest episode of Inside the Hexagon. I am your host, as always, Phil Lanides, and alongside me is my co-host for this week, Josh Molina. Josh, how are you doing? Doing great, Phil. Thanks for having me. Yeah, happy fourth. As uh, you know, I kind of weird, worded that a little bit weirdly when I said my co-host for this week. Well, obviously, the reason I'm saying that is that normally this is uh, like a, uh, we're covering an event episode, and so Josh would be on for sure, but we're taking a little bit of a break and doing something different because it's 4th of July, July weekend. And as we record this, it actually is the 4th of July. So again, happy 4th, Josh, happy 4th to all our American listeners out there. Uh, As this comes out, it'll be tomorrow, July 5th, but Hey, we can still talk about what we're going to talk about today. So this is kind of a, a bonus episode that so to speak that we didn't announce, but we're going to talk about the top 10 most patriotic American fighters. And let me, before we, we jump in too much, uh, you know, there are tons of fighters out there that are patriotic for their own countries. You know, uh, you know, many, many proud Brazilian fighters out there, Russian fighters, Polish fighters, fighters from all over the world that are very proud of their countries. But, hey, we're American and we focus on Strike Force, which was a U.S. based promotion. Uh, so, you know, I, I think it makes sense to talk about what we're going to talk about. So we're going to break down the top 10. Uh, you know, let's point out there are tons of American fighters out there that have done things that we would consider to be patriotic, including being part of the military, representing their country at the Olympics. I mean, tons and tons of fighters out there. Uh, The other part about this is that this is, in a lot of ways, based on feel. It's very subjective. How how patriotic does the particular fighter seem to us? What what things do they do that that seem to reflect their patriotism for for the U.S.? And, And... you know, in some ways, MMA is is a decidedly American sport. I mean, while they're you know pancreas, I think you, I think most people would argue that MMA really started in Japan uh, with with pancreas and UWFI and you know those types of promotions. But shortly before the UFC started, uh, you know, so I, I don't I don't even think that the U.S. can lay claim to inventing MMA, but it has become the epicenter. I think you know, I mean, the UFC obviously based in Las Vegas, the most popular, most dominant league MMA league in the world. So in a lot of ways, you could say it's kind of in a, an American sport. Um, but you know, I, I will say there are some elements of MMA that are very decidedly American while fighters have teams. Ultimately it's a solo sport. I mean, you're in there by yourself. So there's very much a, a self-dependence or a self-independence, uh, that, that that's part of this. Uh, you know, ultimately you're, you're fighting to make money, feed your family. So you're rewarded based on merit. So, you know, capitalism, passion, excellence, greatness, uh, you know, these these qualities may not be specific to the good old U.S. of A. They are certainly part of the American fabric. So, uh, Josh, any reason that comes to mind as far as why you think there are so many MMA fighters, again, speaking of, of American fighters, that are so patriotic um, and then even broader, you know, no matter what country they're from, why are there so many MMA fighters out there that are so patriotic? Well, I, I think you did a good job of sort of framing it and, and outlining it. And I agree. Well, thank 100%, you. Yeah, 100%, you know, um, with everything you said. Maybe I can go a little bit more philosophical here. I think for a lot of people, there's a need to identify with something greater than themselves. And often this means their country. I mean, from the time we're kids, we, we cheered for our schools and we cheered for our, our local sports team. I cheered for the Dodgers. You probably cheered for those lousy 49ers. I'm not really sure. <laughs> I'm sorry. That's no, football. Uh, just to, just, to clar- just to clarify. <laughs> yeah, I'm mostly I'm mostly a Boston fan because that's oh, okay. 
That's where my dad's from. He was the sports fan in the family, and I spent some years growing up there. So I'm Red Sox, uh, Celtics. If we watch hockey, I guess I'm Bruins. I'm not really a big hockey fan. Uh, football, ironically, I'm a Packers fan. I don't know why. Okay. Um, I do hate the Dodgers. I do hate the Lakers. Oh. I pretty much hate all L.A. sports teams because that is something that Boston and the Bay Area agree on besides yeah. politics is we all hate L.A. So, uh, yeah. I, I And if in National League, my favorite team is the Giants. So, yeah, definitely anti-Dodgers, anti Whatever LA sports team. All right, and and, and this will be my last podcast with Phil and <laughs> no, <I'm, laughs> no, 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 that's okay. Um, it is what it is. But my point is, you know, it, that's exactly how we are, right? We grow up and we want to cheer for for the team, right? We want to cheer for the team that we like. Maybe our, our mom or dad got us into a team. It makes a lot of sense, you know. And then we grow up and we cheer for the Olympics, right? We cheer for the Olympic athletes. Like who's going to win a gold medal? We want our country, our the people we identify with to be successful. So I think to some degree, it's a little bit of a human nature to sort of have that identity. Um, and certainly, you know, in the U.S. it is. With MMA specifically, you're right. It is an individual sport. Um, there's such an opportunity for the MMA athlete, however, to sort of carry that banner of the U.S. If you're Brazilian, and we see how proud those Brazilians are, um, if you're Brazilian, you know, you want to wave that flag because you want to be the guy who's the individual star who carries that flag. You know, you're not the soccer guy who's on the soccer team. You're the individual fighter. If you're Conor McGregor, you want to show, hey, the Irish people, we're just as badass and tough as the Brazilian MMA fighters are. You know, you want to be that one who represents your country. And, you know, if you're American, let's face it, Phil, we grew up in the U.S., at least our generation. You know, we grew up believing America's the best country in the world, the center right. of the universe, the right. superpower, the savior of nations, the land of opportunities. That's you know, how we were brought up. And I don't necessarily think that's a, you know, a bad thing, um, you no. know, to have that sense of identity. Obviously, we need to be aware of everyone else and, and respectful. Uh, but, you know, we're raised with this sort of sense of pride in our country. So when you have an opportunity to compete, okay, attaching that, that country identity, that pride that's in your country with your ability to go out there and take care of business one-on-one, -on -one, I mean, that feels like a natural match. And then going back to your point, you know, I agree with you. In America, you could be anything you want. It doesn't mean it's equal for everybody. It doesn't mean that, you know, maybe you got to work harder than me or I got to work harder than you. But at the end of the day, we all could get there if we put in yeah. the work. And so that's, a, that's something that when you're fighting, I mean, you just, if you want to be the best fighter in the world, You've got to put in the time. You've got to put in the hours. So that is definitely an American trait. And bottom line, if you can't go in there and, you know, wear the New England Patriots jersey, put that American flag, take that walk. I mean, you're a real patriot. You do it for real. So, you know, I think there's just a lot of deep psychological stuff there as to why you'd want to be, um, you know, somebody who represents your country. And in this case, the U.S. in a fight. Yeah, you know, and, and you touched on, I mean, from the patriotic side, you know, again, we've talked about the fact in, in the past, you're a little bit more left-leaning than I am, I'm a little bit more right-leaning than you are. Um, I do acknowledge, I th and I think it's okay to acknowledge, obviously, the uh, massive injustices that have taken place in this country, you know, whether those injustices 
are still occurring is a matter of debate at this point. But one of the things about sports is that it is very much based on merit that, yes, there is for sure in the fight game, especially you can be the greatest fighter in the world. But if you don't have any charisma, if you don't have a brand, so to speak, you're going to have a more difficult time climbing the ladder than if you're, you know, I, I, I saw a thing today. Conor McGregor has won one fight in the last four years, one fight, but he makes more than, you know, almost the rest of the, you know, outside of the top, what, 5%, he probably makes more than the rest of the company combined as far as the fighters go because of that charisma, that personality, and he sells, he draws. But one of the things about sports and especially an individualistic sport like boxing or MMA is that if you can get the job done inside the cage or the ring, at some point you can't be denied. Like at some point you can't. And I think back to Joe Lewis, possibly at least the greatest heavyweight champion before Muhammad Ali. Uh, You know, they had the bum of the month club. I believe he was the heavyweight champion for 11 years, which is just insane. This guy was the top, uh, I mean, the cream of the crop and, and, you know, rich and, and famous and, you know, all this stuff. Yet he was in still uh, in a, living in a country where they had separate, uh, you know, separate bathrooms and he wasn't allowed in certain hotels and, you know, different stuff like that. So but when he got into the ring, he could put a hurting on on the man across a white man across the cage or you know, the ring from him and not not have to worry about the repercussions, you know. So in a lot of ways, especially combat sports that are, you know, solo, like it's an opportunity where. If you've got the talent and you you match it with the hard work, a you can go as as far as as you want pretty much, and b it's a place where you're truly equal with the other person no matter what. So as part of you know I don't know that I've ever really thought about it in that in that sense, but that's a, again I think kind of a decidedly American thing. Again, not that it doesn't exist in other countries, but it's really woven into our our social fabric. And you know we're getting pretty deep here, but. Um, I, I agree with what, what what you said. I think there's a lot of uh, a lot of truth there, and there's something beautiful about it, and something I think just again decidedly kind of patriotic about it as well. So, but uh, but let's let's jump into this. Um, you know, I I gotta say, like I asked you, why you think there's so many? For me, for whatever the reason, I think it's got to be because of the athletic outfit or outlet or the the physical outlet of it that there's so many military veterans that are, you know, that are fighters, both male and female that are fighters. And, and so it just kind of lends itself to like, all right, you've, you've competed, like a lot of them are former Olympians or they competed amateur wrestling or, or amateur boxing or something along those lines. And they represent in some way, shape or form represented their country. Again, a lot, many are military vets. So they fought for their country or at least served, uh, you know, for their country. And, And so, I, yeah, you just it's a natural pipeline <laughs> to having lots of, patri- uh, you know, a lot of patriotic fighters out there. So I and that will be reflected on this list. So let's let's get to the top 10. Uh, so this was cobbled together from a couple different uh, uh, articles that I found and then just kind of my own memory and feelings. And this is my list. If you don't if you disagree with it, you're welcome to hit me up at fill it inside the or again on Twitter or on Instagram at the hexagon pod. And let us know what you think. Uh, this is not a like firm, you know, <laughs> number 10 is definitely the 10th most and number nine is definitely the ninth most for sure. I will say until we get to about the top three and then I, I feel like those are, are pretty much in order. But 
Let's start with Frankie Edgar, uh, not a not a veteran or a, you know military veteran or an Olympic competitor. Frankie is clearly an unabashed patriot. He's he, he runs around the cage with an American flag after his victories. Uh, you know, been pictured with the flag many many times. Former lightweight champion, multi-time featherweight title challenger. It's pretty clear that the answer bleeds red, white, and blue. Yeah, let me say something a little bit here too. Is that Frankie Edgar, like a lot of uh, first generation Americans. I mean, they really love the, the United States because they exemplify that immigrant story. I mean, he's an Italian American. His parents were f- from Italy, and basically, I, I did know, not. They, by the way, I did not know that. I didn't re- know that he was a first generation American. So yeah, yeah. So I, I, yeah, I, you know, I, I do my own deep research here too. For, you know? <laughs> <laughs> so, that was not um, a passive aggressive swipe or anything <laughs> like that. I just wasn't aware of that. That's it's my last show anyway, because you know. You're, <laughs> yeah, you're, yeah, exactly. <laughs> Who cares? No, no, I, I, I used to love the Boston Celtics growing up. I just thought their team was amazing, and they beat the Lakers so many times that I like had to respect them. But I'll, I'll never love the Red Sox, and I'll never <laughs> love the Giants or the 49ers. So, so All forget right. it. Okay, um, but but um, you know, I think a lot of those kids, you know, they're like, wow, my parents did everything they could to give me a better life in the U.S. So, you know, I love this country. So, I, you know, I think that's the case with a lot of first generation Americans. And that's the case with Frankie Edgar, you know, and that's just true with a lot of immigrants, no matter, you know, the discipline or no matter, you know, the profession. Uh, but, um, yeah, you know, I'll, I'll say definitely that's the case with Frankie Edgar, too. Absolutely. All right. Number nine, Dan Hendo Henderson, one of the most decorated champions in MMA history. He was a be- obviously very, very much a beloved fighter. Uh, however, some people don't realize he actually represented the U.S. twice in the Olympics in 92 and 96 in Greco-Roman wrestling. Uh, he also represented his country countless times at other amateur wrestling events all over the globe. So, uh, And then, uh, again, somebody that was photographed many times with the flag, wore, you know, had the flag in the cage, uh, no doubt uh, a true patriot. Number eight, Don Fry. Now, <laughs> I, have, I have been a big Don Fry fan, and uh, Josh, I don't know if you, you caught it, but Don recently was on the uh, the Joe Rogan experience on the Joe Rogan podcast, which I did listen to. Apparently, he has started a a podcast with Dan the Beast Severn. Uh, so huh. I, I don't know how that's going to go, but um, it's it's going to be interesting. I, I don't plan on it's, it's on probably list, leading listening. up to a pay per view fight at some point. Uh, yeah, I wouldn't <laughs> I wouldn't be shocked. The name of it is like like the Toxic Masculinity Podcast or something something along those lines, but. He promoted it on Rogan's podcast, but I, I, I'm a fan of Fry as a fighter, and I just, I mean, who can forget the extremely famous um, fight between him and Yoshihiro Takayama in Pride where they just met in the middle of the ring and just grabbed each other's heads and just started punching each other in the face until one of them, I mean, it went on for a good 15, 20 seconds, and it's mm-hmm. an amazing, amazing visual. And, and so, you know, something of a modern John Wayne uh, Fry always going to be remembered for his incredible toughness, that you know, that big, bushy kind of Tom Selleck mustache, gravelly voice, which has gotten even more gravelly as he's gotten older. Uh, but, you know, a cowboy through and through. He's wrangled horses, worked as both a firefighter and an EMT. But probably his most American moment that he's going to be remembered for, so to speak, was shortly after the 9-11 attacks. And he actually talked about this a little bit on Rogan's podcast when Rogan brought it up. But he competed in Japan wearing uh, the American flag shorts 
and he had on a, a terrorist suck T-shirt. Uh, so, uh, it, it, you know, he, like I said, discussed that with Rogan. Uh, quite a moment, and especially post 9-11 and, and him being in a foreign country, you know, fighting in Japan at that time. I, you know, I mean, God, uh, how, how do you not consider Don Fry to be as American as apple pie? Yeah, Don Fry is the kind of guy you, you don't want to mess with if you're at the bar and he pisses you off. Just mind your own business. <laughs> he's the kind yeah. of guy, if he's your neighbor, you don't say Jack if he decides to park three cars on the lawn, <laughs> play country yeah. music all night. You know, he's he's a man's man. He's a tough guy. He's legit. He's a American. man's man. He's yeah. a man's man. There's no doubt about that. He's saying he's had, you know, he's in his 50s now and he's. Uh, saying that, you know, he still wants to have another fight. And Rogan was asking, and he's had major back surgery, showed some gnarly, gnarly uh, scar pictures on his, like on, on the Rogan's podcast, like he's dealt with staff and just all kinds of, of physical issues in the last several years. And he still wants to have another fight. And and who does he want? He wants, he wants the champ. He wants Francis, Francis and And I mean, while that's insane, that's literally insane and probably a sign of CTE that he would, you know, say that, but it also just speaks to just how tough the guy is that he wants a piece of the, of the, the heavyweight champion of the world, you know, at this point, not just in his career, but in his life. So, yeah, well, he needs, to, he needs, he needs to wait until, Francis loses and in like eight years he can get booked on some yeah, specialty yeah. card yeah, and then he boxing. can probably knock him out, yeah. you know, <laughs> yeah. but yeah. you know, Don Fry's the kind of guy like, I mean, that fight would last about what, 15 seconds if it if happened. That, in the, it, yeah. it depends on when it happens. You know, he doesn't have any movement or anything, but hell, Don Fry hit him, you know, it's yeah, over. You, you, know? you never know. It's, <laughs> but it's, it sounds like a Rocky, you not, not Rocky four, like Rocky Balboa, the one where he fought the, uh, you know, the computer simulation thing. And then they did the exhibition bout, like it'd be more something like that versus, <laughs> you know, Rocky for him. And that's, he's just much further in his career, but all right, moving on. Number seven, Chris Weidman, similar to Don Fry, nothing specific to Weidman that would explain his patriotism. I mean, two time NCAA division one, all American wrestler. So there's that. Uh, but regardless, the former UFC middleweight champion often drapes himself in the American flag. I believe he's worn American flag shorts in the past, not quite Captain America, as that's reserved for another fighter that we'll get to, but Weidman certainly is All-American, no doubt about it. So I, I agree with you on Chris Weidman. I mean, he's certainly got those boy-next-door looks. He just he looks like the, you know, the kind of guy you'd want to uh, you know, hang out with. He, he's, he, and, and let's be real, he dethroned Anderson Silva. I mean, the great Anderson Silva, the Brazilian MMA fighter. He was champion forever, and... Chris Weidman went in there and beat him, you know, it's such a major upset. So, you know, that dude's a hero just for that. Absolutely. Yeah. No, no doubt about it. And uh very clean cut image. And, you know, I, I guess he's a Christian and, you know, just very clean cut. So a uh, different, different breed than some of the guys that we have on this, on this list for sure. Like the next guy, <laughs> like the next guy, Tito Ortiz, the Huntington beach, bad boy who, prided himself on uh, being the other way, you know, the, the, on the other side, really. And, you know, was with a porn star for a long time and extremely, extremely controversial, but uh, very much a proud Mexican-American. Uh, Ortiz is known for coming to the cage with both the Mexican and American flags at the same time. Grew up very poor, worked himself out of his situation and a big supporter of the troops uh, over the years as well. And then went into politics after some more supporting Donald Trump in recent years and We've talked a little bit about that on this podcast, but 
Despite his short run with the Huntington Beach City Council uh, being so marred by controversy, the former UFC light heavyweight champion is a true pull yourself up by your own bootstraps, work hard to get to where you want to go, uh, and really a success story in that sense. And what's more American that than that? And I heard him on a – I can't remember the podcast, but I heard him on a podcast a couple of years ago, and I was ready to hate him. Uh, you know, not legitimately hate him, but, you know, <laughs> like hate the persona. And I was really came away really impressed by, I, I mean, again, whatever you want to say about him, the guy works hard. I mean, he mm-hmm. works, he works really hard. So, uh, you know, and again, what's, what's more American than that, right? Yeah. I mean, Tito Ortiz, he loves his country. I mean, this guy, you know, if we just strip the politics out of it, this guy loves America, you know? So, I mean, there's worse things for him to be obsessed with than his country, you know, and it's especially gutsy for him because people make a lot of stereotypes about Mexican Americans, assuming that they're all liberal. When in fact, in this case, they're not, you know, Tito Ortiz, he's fearless. He doesn't care what people think of him. He carries traditional conservative values. Um, Yes, he did marry Jenna Jameson for a while, but, um, you know, from what I understand, he's a really good dad. You know, he's got custody yeah. of his kids. He, yeah. You know, he believes in his responsibility as a parent, and he keeps fighting because he wants to make money for his kids. I mean, this is a guy who I think you could trust to have your back as a probably an honorable person. And, um, you know, that exemplifies an American value, you know, but it's pretty bold for him because he's going to get judged on both sides. You know, all the people who hate the crazy conservatives, they're going to judge him. And then he's going to also get judged by liberal, you know, people who are like, what? Why are you saying that? You're supposed to be one of us. So, um, you know, on top of that, too, you know, I just I don't want to gloss over the fact that he's still around. He's still fighting. Like this is a guy who's been written off so many times. So just on his work ethic alone, this guy is still, I mean, he's not competitive at the high level, but he's competitive, you know? So, you know, he's, he's still winning fights here and there. So good for him. All right. We're here to the top five and we're starting off with the, you know, we just went from the Huntington beach bad boy and now we're going to the bad, (laughs) the bad guy. Chael Sonnen, a University of Oregon NCAA Division I All-American. Sonnen was Colby Covington before Colby Covington was Colby Covington. Uh, probably more likable than his successor. Sonnen was known for his brash trash, trash talk and checkered record of backing it up in the cage. Uh, a noted moneymaker, Sonnen is you know a hustler through and through. He's crossed over into the criminal in the past and again. Uh, <laughs> what's more American than than being a hustler? And if you got to break some laws to get what you want, break some laws. I mean, mm-hmm. what's more American that than that? But he is one of my one of my all time favorite fighters because I think if you if you just accept him as a persona that and you don't try to like actually apply laws of of logic and morality to the things that he used to say as a fighter i i you can i think you can like you know be okay with with who he was but i mean one of my all-time favorite fights uh, that i actually watched uh you know live uh, i wasn't there in person but the the first anderson silva chael sonnen fight where sonnen was putting a beating on him for four and a half rounds and oh my god we're gonna actually see sonnen beat the spider and this was when Silva was at the top of his game and then he gets caught and he gets choked or he gets, you know, he t- gets tapped and then he says he didn't tap and, <laughs> Oh man, I just, that was one of my all time favorite fights. I love watching that fight. And I am a big, I'm an unabashed Chael Sonnen fan. Mm-hmm. 
Hey, well, I agree with Jail. I mean, he tapped, he loses the round. It's four yeah, rounds yeah. to one. That's right. <laughs> Give him the title. I mean, I don't yeah. know what other sport, you know. You hit a guy See, 300 times what, in the that's face. That's what I'm saying. Like, he's not saying that because he actually believes that, right? Like, we all know that that's not how MMA works. But come on, is there anything more pro wrestling heel than taking something, a situation like that and be like, well, yeah, he won one round, but I won the other four. So I'm, <laughs> I'm the unrecognized champion. I mean, come on, man. That's like, that's genius. And I love it. I can't help but smile. So, yeah. <laughs> you know, the streets I grew up, you wrap your legs around somebody's head for 30 seconds like that. You know, they take you in the back and they beat you up. They'll yeah. give you a, a championship. <laughs> I'm sure. I'm sure. <laughs> yeah. oh, you my know, God. Um, awesome. Yeah. No, so, so uh, I mean, I'm joking here, but I mean, Chell's at the top of my list. Not really. Uh, I mean, Chell's my favorite MMA fighter ever. He's great. I get caught up in those YouTube loops where I'm just listening to him insult <laughs> Anderson Silva and Vanderlei Silva and all these people over and over because he's funny, you know. And, and at the end of the day, he respects these fighters, you know. He's not he's not like a mean person, but he's he's funny, and uh, he's he's definitely patriotic. He's you know a high level uh, fighter, you know amateur fighter. Um, and he's just a total crap talking badass. And he says what he wants, when he wants to who he wants to. And he'll literally fight anyone who can fight John Jones on just a few days notice, knowing he's going to lose, but Hey, he's an American and you don't back down when you're an American, you go in there and you fight and you leave it all in the cage. So, I mean, I, I mean, jail Sonnen, you know, to me, the original, everything in MMA deserves to be at the top of, you know, any list. And this is one of them. Well, and and also, what's more American than agreeing on short notice because you know you're going to probably get, as Jr. would, good old Jr. would say, a little extra cheese on your Whopper from Uncle Dana after <laughs> you know after the fact. <laughs> I never heard Jr. say that. Yeah, he's said it on his podcast a few oh, times. Okay. So, okay. all right, number four, the man that succeeded Chael Sonnen as far as the persona goes, Colby Covington, another NCAA Division One All American on the list. Uh, he's really Chael Sonnen 2.0, the second coming of the bad boy and or the bad guy. And, you know, he seemed it, it seems like his pro Trump persona is just that something of a persona. I mean, he admitted, I think, last year, or the year before that it's basically a persona. I mean, sure, it's an extension of the real personality. But, you know, regardless, Covington's is American is, you know, baseball and he's an unrepentant capitalist. He visited then-President Trump at the White House with the interim UFC welterweight title after promising to do so. Trump returned the favor by calling him after his win over Tyron Woodley. And a noted conservative, he's been on Candace Owens' podcast, and I'm sure others, you know, he's been interviewed by various conservative personalities. He also, and then, but really, this is what really puts him this high on the list. He uses former Olympic gold medalist and WWE Hall of Famer Kurt Angle's entrance music, complete <laughs> with the You Suck which he got, you know, the You Suck chants, which he got permission from Kurt Angle to use the music. I mean, just to love him or hate him and probably hate him, Colby Covington is is a proud American and represents a good portion of the country that, you know, you and I and others may or may not disagree with. But uh, he's entertaining, just like Chael, maybe not the most entertaining, you know, in the cage all the time. I mean, you know, a wrestler that – can strike a little bit, but is really not great at striking or, or wrestling, or I'm sorry, or submissions, but just a really good wrestler that'll grind on you and tire you out just like Chael. So not always the most exciting in the cage, but man, he can sell a fight and man, is he exciting on the microphone? 
Yeah, I'm not as big of a Colby Covington fan as you Which are. I, I, I um, dude, I'm not. I would. Hey, let me clarify. I'm not a Covington fan. Like, I'm really not. Like, in in the reasons that I like Chael, like they're the same reasons essentially that I don't like Colby. Where I think Colby sells it so hard that he like, you know, you're supposed to believe that what he's saying is what he actually thinks, and and I think he's crass. Some of the things that he has said about other fighters and so i don't like covington at all like he's yeah. like a heel that as a heel fighter like i hate him and i want to see him lose in the way that with <laughs> chael i just was entertained like i right. i always laughed and smiled i don't laugh and smile with colby like i think i i actually am not a big fan of his at all so yeah i was just gonna say you know like i feel like chael is more of a um an all-around performer <laughs> he's like rick flair yeah. whereas yeah. chael's more of a shouter you know, yeah. he's like more one dimensional and he's got that whole thing. And I mean, I don't even care what he's saying. He could be mouthing off about Barack Obama. I would hate him because he's so annoying, you know, and how he comes across. But I will say this. He is a good character. He plays his character well. He is a heel in this country and in America, in the U.S., you can get away with that and we can go to a show and we can decide to cheer for Colby just because he's being a jerk or we can decide to cheer for him because we hate him, you know, or, or boo him because we hate him. And that's, that's such an American thing, you know? And so, yeah, I think he deserves to be on this list. Yeah. But I, for the record, he... I hope he loses whoever he's fighting next. Yeah, I do too. <laughs> I do too. I'm not a fan. All right, but he does not deserve, deserve to be in the top three of this list. And so let's go with number three, Randy Couture, dubbed Captain America by Joe Rogan. Couture is UFC Hall of Famer, former UFC heavyweight champion, former three-time UFC light heavyweight champion, the first multi-divisional champion in MMA history, and one of the most important stars in the sports history. I, I mean, just an incredible fighter, obviously one of the most popular and successful fighters in history, but he's also – you know, in, in a lot of ways might be the uh, um, the most patriotic MMA fighter of all time. Like I said, certainly top three. Uh, he reached the status of staff sergeant in the Army as an air traffic controller, which is a very important and very, uh, very serious position. Um, the natural was often seen with an American flag inside and outside the octagon. Uh, you know, very, very competitive. His drive for excellence, his achievements really help rank him as truly one of the greats. And his love for the for the U.S. of A. is is regularly on on display. So uh, I still there's the two fighters ahead of him on this list would be more deserving of the Captain America moniker. But for a guy that didn't see, you know, actual time in battle like these top two, I mean, he's he's you know, he's definitely one of the contenders. All right. Number two, Tim Kennedy. As mentioned earlier, there have been plenty of veterans in mixed martial arts, military veterans, but few, if any, have served at the level of Tim Kennedy. Uh, maybe only one other fighter, and that would be the number one fighter on this list. Uh, Kennedy joined the U.S. Special Forces in 2004 and became a Green Beret, and while he was still active duty, continued to compete in MMA fights, taking long breaks at times from his fighting career to continue his military service. And in fact, he was awarded the Bronze Star for acts of valor in battle, uh, absolute bona fide American hero. Kennedy has exper experienced tremendous success in both MMA and the military. And I've got nothing as we've discussed, even recently, I've got nothing but respect for Tim Kennedy. I'm a huge, huge fan of his. Uh, again, he's agreed to come onto the podcast at some point. So, uh, you know, we, we hope to have him on, but a true, true inspiration, true American hero and, and somebody that I think really deserves respect from, from everybody. Yeah. It's interesting because Kennedy is so american so much so he doesn't even make it a gimmick 
You know, he doesn't go into the cage and sort of like say, hey, Trump this, Trump that, or, you know, America this or that. He just is it, which he shows. Just is. That's a good point, man. That's yeah. a good point. So, so, you know, I don't have anything really to add other than that. But, I mean, he is the kind of guy you just kind of give, you need to give him respect. Um, he's, he's a great fighter. He's an uh, American hero. You know, he's a sniper, puts his life on the line. Definition of an American patriot. I feel like his MMA career was a little short. Would have yeah. liked to have seen him do a little bit more with it. But, you know, he loved the military more than he loved fighting. And you can't really uh, say anything about that. Yeah, it's, you know, it's, it's, uh, you know, I'm, I'm, a, as I said earlier, I'm a big Red Sox fan and Ted Williams is, you know, regarded by many as, if not the greatest hitter that's ever lived at, you know, pre nineties, he was generally considered the greatest hitter that ever lived, hit 521 home runs. The last guy to hit over 400 back in 1941, same season that Joe DiMaggio got the 56 game hit streak. I mean, one of the greats and people don't realize it's either four and a half or five and a half seasons that he lost because of his military service. Mm -hmm. And he wasn't just serving, like doing like USO tours or, you know, playing on the army baseball. This guy was a fighter pilot that was in missions. And I believe got shot down. I think once Um, I know he served in the Korean war and, and so he hit 521 home runs. And remember this was at a time when the 500 Homer club was much, much smaller than it is now. And so I believe, and someone did the numbers, he averaged like 35 home runs a year. It's like, so if you give him four or five more seasons of that clip of, of hitting, you know, 30 to 40 homers a year, Babe Ruth's record would have been obliterated a long time ago. And Mm so I, the reason why I bring all that up and I'm not saying Tim Kennedy was his skill level in MMA was at the skill level of Ted Williams in baseball. But the fact that Kennedy gave up large chunks of his career because of his military service, who knows what he would have been, would have accomplished in MMA if he had been fully focused on, you know, on MMA. I'm grateful that he didn't. And I, again, respect his sacrifice for not because, yes, maybe he would have become a champion. But, you know, what did he accomplish in his military career that, you know, we needed from a country standpoint, which is more important. Right. So just wanted to throw that perspective out there. All right. We've arrived at the number one guy. And and I've got to say, I'm a little bit biased in this, but I don't think it make I don't think that I'm incorrect in this. And the reason I'm biased is because when this man put out his autobiography, I was actually selected to handle PR for that. Mm. And so I got to work with him. Such a good man, such a moral uh, just an incredible man. We're talking about Brian Stan, the only MMA fighter with more actual battlefield battlefield experience than Tim Kennedy is Brian Stan, a former WEC light heavyweight champion and a UFC middleweight title contender. Stan also had a very, very successful MMA career, but it really pales in comparison to what he's accomplished within the military. A former Marine, he achieved the rank of captain, but this really doesn't even scratch the surface of his incredible bravery and commitment to his country. And I want to read this. This is from a Bleacher Report article. Uh, and, and this just tells, like, I think the the most um, telling story that explains his patriotism and his commitment and his bravery. Cap- quote, Captain Stan was the second mobile assault platoon commander. And from May 8th through 14th, 2005, he led his men into battle. Their primary mission was to seize a bridge near Karabala, Iraq, And on three different occasions, he negotiated four kilometers to uphold their position from enemy attacks. However, on the third time, the enemy had set up an ambush for the Marines. 
Displaying the character of a true leader, Stan called in close air support, close air support, and directed fire from tanks while taking on over 30 rocket-propelled grenade attacks, multiple machine guns firing, and improvised explosive devices de detonating. All 42 Marines in Stan's platoon survived, and the following March, Stan was awarded the Silver Star, which is the nation's third highest award for valor in combat. So, I, I mean, you know, and then beyond that, beyond what he did uh, as far as in service in the battlefield, when he came back, he became president and CEO of Higher Heroes USA, which is a nonprofit that helps U.S. military veterans. So his service went beyond simply, you know, not simply, but not only serving in battle, but then trying to help veterans when he got back here to the States as well. So simply amazing. I, I As much as I love Randy, as much as I love Tim Kennedy, Brian Stan is the real Captain America. I don't think anybody can dispute that. And, and he's got to be the most patriotic fighter uh, in American MMA history. Yeah, you know, Phil, I always say the real tough guys in the world are not MMA fighters or, or boxers, but the men and women who actually see combat in the military because that's really not a glorious job. And, you know, you put in your life on the line. Stan was both. So he's definitely deserving of the top spot for sure. I just want to mention, uh, give an honorable mention, you know, since we're uh, sort of talking about, you know, what it means to be an American, uh, you know, American patriots, Native American fighter, Yakim Spirit Wolf, who uh, apparently represents the Pala Indian Reservation. And uh, uh, he's Navajo, a member of the Navajo and Yaqui tribes. Um, you know, we're not going to go here, but, you know, considering the history of the country, he's a Native American in combat sports and had a decent career. He was 12, 13 and one competed in Bellator and Strikeforce. So um, obviously had, did not have the career of any of the other people we've mentioned, but I feel like we should at least uh, recognize a Native American MMA fighter who fought in Strikeforce and Bellator. And we can actually recognize another Native American that fought in in Strike Force, and that was uh, Ruben Wardpath Villarreal, mm. who uh, who fought in an early Strike Force card and was also Boss Rutten's last opponent, as well. Fought a bunch of times in Gladiator Challenge. Not a great fighter by any stretch of the imagination, but game, and was always willing to get in there and and a, a you know respectable fighter as well. So. But that's our top 10 list. Again, if you disagree or you agree, let us know. You can reach me at philatinsidethexagon.com. You can follow us on Twitter and on Instagram at the Hexagon Pod. Uh, coming up, so we uh, basically postponed it by a week, but we're going to be covering the Fedor versus Verdun uh, Strike Force event, uh, and that's going to be our next our next. Uh, 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 recording and then after that um, we're going to be doing a fighter interview we're still getting things squared up for that but we've got some one of the fights on that card is scott smith versus kung lee and kung's agreed to come back on the show so that should be our fighter interview it's not actually recorded yet so i'm a little hesitant to say it's a sure thing but uh, but that's going to be on the card um, we've got some other co cool stuff in the works and and so we just make sure you stay tuned with us and stay the path with us but with that we're going to go ahead and ride off into the sunset. We hope that you stay safe and you stay healthy, and we will see you soon.
Hey there, and welcome to the Joy of Paddle podcast, hosted by me, Minter Dial, a veteran of the paddle tennis world, and sponsored by Paddle 1969. Whether you're a paddle tennis aficionado, just beginning, or have never even heard of paddle, or padel, as it's called in North America, this is an exhilarating new show that delves into the captivating stories of notable paddle personalities worldwide. In its inaugural season, you'll be treated to exclusive anecdotes, valuable tips, life lessons, and humorous moments shared by esteemed professional paddle players, industry insiders, and passionate paddle enthusiasts. With each season aligning with the Pro Tour, you can anticipate two engaging episodes per month. The Joy of Paddle Podcast is part of the Evergreen Podcast Network, where you can find other great shows in a number of categories, such as sports, health and wellness, true crime, and fiction. To find out more about Evergreen Podcasts, go to www.evergreenpodcast.com. Vamos! Vamos!